you are warmly welcome to listen to Portfolio Management Back to Basics podcast by Thinking Portfolio. Seven Key KPIs for Effective Risk Management Risk management is an integral part of project management. But how do you know if your risk management strategies are actually working? The fact is, most projects run for months, if not years. This can make risk measurement quite challenging, which is why you'll need metrics in place to help you track and evaluate your project risks. These include 1. Identified risks The identified risks are those you are aware of and which you know will occur during the project. If your risk reduction strategies are on point, you will notice that the number of these identified risks reduces over time, or they don't turn up during subsequent projects. 2. Actual risks Not all of your identified risks become a reality, but some do. If you notice that a number of actual risks is as high as the identified ones, your risk measurement process is probably not right. An effective risk manager will know how to reduce the extent of actual risks too. 3. Unidentified and unanticipated risks. While it's challenging to anticipate certain risks, effective risk management requires project managers to place measures to solve any problem. You must use your experience to identify perilous situations and establish solutions that can be used to tackle them should they arise. 4. Frequency of risks. A risk management practice is appropriate only when it prevents the onset of the risk at a later stage of the project. However, if you notice the same uncertainty plaguing you at various stages of the project, it means that you don't have the right risk management techniques in place. 5. Severity of risks. When we talk about the severity of risks, we refer to how close the seriousness of the predicted threat is to that of the actual risk. If your risk manager evaluated the project risks correctly, he would have set up adequate measures to safeguard your project. However, Poor risk management occurs when the project is too little equipped or over-equipped to deal with the hazard. Both circumstances can result in a loss of time and resources. 6. Cost incurred due to risks. Ideally, your risk management strategies should not only help you mitigate the risk, but they should also assist with finding cost-effective solutions. When you compare your current risk status to a past project or timeline, you might notice a drop in the expenses you incurred due to the risk. This would indicate effective risk management. 7. Speed and effectiveness of solutions. Finally, the speed with which you implemented risk mitigation solutions and how effective they were in actually reducing the risk indicate how well prepared your organization is. A strong and successful risk management plan is one that actively updates as the project proceeds and which, when implemented, helps the company get back on track without much hassle. Six weak signals in your project's environment to follow monthly. Have you ever wondered what separates the good from the great when it comes to project managers? Simply put, the way a project manager handles problems when they inevitably rear their ugly head is what separates the so-so from the great project managers. Have a look at these six weak signals in your project's environment. 1. Team members aren't aware of what their responsibilities are. A great project manager lets all team members know who is responsible for what. He or she doesn't wait until the last minute. A great project manager will also lay out expectations. 2. Key personnel pulled off the project either temporarily or permanently. A great project manager treats key personnel as resources. 
There are few ways of dealing with this situation. The easiest way, by far, would be to speak with management about how removing a vital team member might delay the project. 3. Missing Deadlines A great project manager avoids deadlines by giving each team member specific deadlines for their role in the project. A trick that you must keep up your sleeve is to assign dates that are much earlier than when you need their contributions. Doing this gives you plenty of time to fix an issue if it presents itself. 4. Scope Creep Changes which affect requirements usually do a great job of stopping projects. Good project managers need to make it their duty to document a change as well as validate the impact that the change brings and find a solution. However, a great project manager will not simply react to changes, but will do proactive risk and quality management the whole way through. 5. Being unaware of problems or potential problems. An important step that must be taken to avoid this situation is to have weekly status meetings with team members. This will ensure that everything is being achieved as per schedule and will also allow everyone to come up with a plan of action should any issues arise. 6. Collaborating with team members residing in different locations and time zones. A great project manager will turn a decentralized team to his or her advantage. A decentralized team can be unified with a mobile collaboration tool. A mobile collaboration tool is a game changer for project managers. There are plenty of weak signals that you can follow monthly in your project's environment. However, these are the main ones that you should be looking at fixing. Six Top Information Security Risks in Project Management With technology becoming a major component of project management, the protection of project information is of the utmost importance. In this blog, we look at the most significant information security risks that affect project management and how to combat them. DDoS attack. The robustness of DDoS attacks is growing day by day. This is exactly why we see so many of them in the area of PM. Hackers are targeting organizations to steal crucial data and they do it using the approach of a DDoS attack. Common methods include flooding websites and networks with false traffic. This is being made possible by the presence of DDoS for Hire services, where hackers can rent out their skills at low prices. Also, the LOT seems to be contributing to the problem as well, thanks to products with almost no security defenses. The only solution is to set up a DDoS migration plan and observe LAN or WAN traffic for changes in bandwidth consumption. Self-Propagating Ransomware this type of ransomware spreads via systems that are unpatched workstations. All they need is an automated software update. The key purpose of this type of ransomware seems to be to destroy data rather than extort money. The only solution is to keep data backed up and make sure that all systems are patched. Malware Off-premise cloud services make it possible to send and store data. These services are targeted by hackers who can encrypt malware into the system. Needless to say, there are several vulnerabilities that arise from this. The solution is to make use of intelligence monitoring and analytics. These services can look for suspicious behavior and identify signs of hacking. Phishing. Phishing is a security threat that is carried out via email. The recipient is tricked into divulging information after being convinced that the mail is from a legitimate source. The system becomes infected when the recipient clicks a link or downloads an attachment. Phishing can be prevented by training employees to identify suspicious emails and installing security solutions that can scan emails. Employees Employees are the biggest security threat to a project. According to statistics, 
employees often fall victim to ransomware and phishing attacks frequently. More than 90% of attacks can be traced down to a particular employee. The solution here is to train employees by instituting security policies and provide access to key information resources on the basis of verification and authorization. Vishing. Vishing involves the use of phone calls to carry out an attack. Here, the attacker convinces the victim to guide them through the process of altering settings and even changing passwords. The only remedy is to provide information security training and instituting policies that prevent the sharing of information via phone calls. Read more about Thinking Portfolio, the easy-to-use, parameterized, and fixed-price portfolio management software as a service with unlimited users at thinkingportfolio.com. Seven Criteria to Choose Project of the Year Effective project management needs finding a project which is a perfect match for the combined skill set of your team. The project must also match the team's competence level. If all these are done, then chances of success are much more increased. The project selection techniques provide seven time-tested techniques. All seven methods are based on logical reasoning. It helps to select the best project. Undesirable projects, those that have near zero chances of success, are weeded out. Methods to choose project of the year. The project which has the potential to deliver maximum profits should be made project of the year. Ideally, you should do all the projects. However, resource constraints dictate that all projects cannot be taken up. A crucial decision should be taken on the light of which project will generate the maximum quantum of money. Project selection methods are applied at this juncture. A number of techniques are available to assist you to select a project. The methods can be demarcated into two kinds, constrained optimization methods and benefit measurement methods. The benefit measurement methods. This project selection method is based on the present value of anticipated cash inflow along with outflow. The cost benefits are calculated. They are then contrasted with a number of other projects to arrive at a decision. The techniques used in benefit measurement are 1. Benefit-cost ratio or cost-benefit ratio. This, as its name suggests, is the ratio between the present inflow value to present outflow value. The former is the cost invested in any project, and the latter is the project's value return. Preferred projects are those which have more benefit-cost ratio or lower cost-benefit ratio. 2. Economic model. The economic value added, or EVA, is a performance metric which calculates the organization's worth creation and also defines its capital return. Another definition of EVA is net profit after capital expenditure and taxes are deducted. EVA is expressed in numeric and not percentage. 3. Scoring model. This is an objective method where the Committee for Project Selection lists relevant criterion. The committee then weighs each criterion as per priorities and importance. The weighted values are then added. Once everything is completed, the project with the highest score is selected. 4. Payback period. This is the ratio of total cash to average cash per period. In other words, it is the time required to recover the project's investment. 5. Net present value or NPV. This is the difference between cash inflows present value and cash outflows present value. This NPV must be positive at all times. If there are multiple projects, choose one with higher NPV. 6. Discounted cash flow. 
It is a fact that money's future value will vary from what it is at present. To account for this, the discounted cash flow must be taken into consideration when ROI and cost investment are calculated. 7. Internal Rate of Return This is the rate of interest where NPV is zero. The state gets attained when present outflow value equals present inflow value. Other than these seven major factors, opportunity costs and constrained optimization methods are also taken into consideration when selecting a project. Constrained optimization methods are usually used for selecting complex projects that include a lot of complicated mathematical calculations. Hence, it is also termed as the mathematical model for selecting projects. Dynamic, integer, linear, and nonlinear programming are the techniques included in this project selection model. By choosing the right projects, organizations would be able to prevent unnecessary wastage of time and resources and increase their ROI. Seven Effective Success Bonus for Project Managers A business organization has to manage both business risks and project risks, but there is a significant difference between the two. Let's try and gain some insights into what distinguishes a business risk from a project risk. Business Risks When you talk about risk in the context of business, it could be anything that has the potential of threatening the generation of profits at the predetermined target levels. Business risks could be quite dangerous for the long-term sustainability of the business. Business risks are largely about the decisions related to products and services offered in the market. When a company decides to manufacture and sell a specific product, there is always a risk with regards to the product not working as well as the company had expected. Sometimes marketing campaigns fail to sell a product. Other examples of business risks are changes in raw material costs, changes in shipping charges, new technological developments, and so on. To put it very simply, business risks are typically more general as compared to project risks. Also, they would have an impact on nearly all aspects of the business. Classification of business risks. Business risks can be placed into two broad categories. Pure risks, negative scenarios over which a company has zero control, speculative risks, possible outcomes, positive or negative, of decisions and actions. An alternative categorization of business risks could be as follows. Internal risks, related to events occurring within the organization. External risks, related to events happening outside of the organization. Project risks. Project risks are different from business risks in the sense that they refer to an uncertain condition or event that may affect one or more project objectives. When estimating project risks, several people may end up listing all possible risks that could have an impact on the project. However, it is vital to do a careful assessment and see clearly whether you're listing specific project risks or common business risks. In the latter case, the list would be unmanageably lengthy. In other words, a business risk may be misinterpreted as a project risk. For example, key team members exiting the project or organization or going on a long sick leave should ideally be categorized as a business risk. It is not in the immediate risk management realm of the project and would be better handled by the HR department as part of the overall business process. In other words, this type of risk needs to be assessed under general business risks. As far as project management is concerned, risk management usually aims at identifying and analyzing potential project risks and minimizing their impact on project progress. A project manager, along with his team, can begin reviewing each project task on the project schedule and look for areas of uncertainty. For example, risks could be related to the adoption of some new technology 
or the lack of adequately experienced staff. No project is risk-free, and while there are plenty of uncertain events that could hamper the success of a project, these need to be correctly distinguished from common business risks. Please visit us at thinkingportfolio.com. Manage your customer portfolio. A customer portfolio is a tool for B2B companies to develop customer relationships that are profitable and sustainable. The process starts by identifying all your company's customers and evaluating them using meaningful criteria. To analyze your company's customers and customer relationships, you'll first have to define the evaluation criteria. The criteria should cover most important aspects that tell you whether a customer relationship is worth pursuing. The evaluation criteria. Here is, for example, a list of criteria you might consider. Basic information of the customer. Name of the company. Customer's business, investor, governmental organization, municipal organization, manufacturer, contractor, consultant, etc. Persons who are involved in the relationship on your customer's and on your company's side. Evaluation criteria. Type of the customer relationship, a partnership, recurring, occasional, or endangered. Customer service needs, total service, specialized, or basic service. Customer's decision criteria when selecting suppliers, price of purchase, total life cycle cost, ease of purchase, trust, quality of the supplier, etc. Our portion of the customer's related purchases, small, medium, or large. Customer profitability, high, moderate, low. If you have actual figures of the profitability, use them. Potential of additional sales, high, moderate, low, or none. Ease of collaboration with the customer, easy, average, challenging. Customer's own business prospects, failing, stable, growing. R&D collaboration with the customer, ongoing, emerging, none. Learning opportunities for us, high, moderate, or low. Financial information, billings, total billing or billing broken down to service categories. Change in billings. Billing compared to the previous year and projection for the next 12 months. The evaluation. Once you have all of the information in one place, you can do various types of analysis. The purpose of your analysis is to discover differences and similarities among different customers. This helps determine your business strategy, customer portfolio, and customer relationship plan. When analyzing their customer portfolio companies, it can often be seen how a small number of customers are actually creating the profits. On the other hand, less profitable customers can be necessary for other reasons. Most companies lose 45-50% to 50 of their customers in five years. Acquiring new customers can cost 20 times more than does retaining the existing ones. A 5% increase in customer retention can increase the company's profits by 25-85%. to 85%. It is therefore important to carefully analyze if and how low-performance customer relationships could be improved. If you finally conclude that some customer relationships are never going to be valuable, make a clear decision to break them off. Underperforming customer relationships steal time and money from more productive business endeavors. They are not good for the customer either. When you are not able and willing to give your fullest to customers, they will notice. The Absolute Basics of Service Portfolio Management 
A company's service portfolio can be defined as a group of services that are listed in terms of their value for business. This portfolio can include everything from in-house services to outsourced ones. Service portfolio management is the process of managing and improving the business through careful assessment of quality requirements, associated costs, as well as their changing financial value. The main goal of service portfolio management is to maximize the realization of value to the business and meanwhile balance the risks with the costs. How does service portfolio management help? To manage your service portfolio successfully, there are five questions you must always ask yourself. These questions include understanding the reasons for a client wanting to buy your services, why they should buy it from your company, your price and chargebacks, allocation of capabilities and resources, as well as understanding your strengths, weaknesses, risks, and priorities. When it comes to successful service portfolio management, product managers play an important role as they are expected to manage the services and products throughout their life cycle. A product manager is also responsible for focusing the project on important tasks and coordinating as well as owning the service catalog. Sub-processes of service portfolio management. Portfolio management for services can be divided under three sub-processes, including analysis, approval or rejection, and review. The objective of the first step is to define the outcomes of the new proposed or altered services and analyze the impact on other services in the portfolio. The second step in managing the service portfolio includes submitting a formal proposal and having it authorized by the responsible management team. The final step in the process is to review the changes and assess the services periodically to ensure that the portfolio is being managed effectively and aligns with the service strategy. What does a service portfolio contain? Any service portfolio contains three subsets. The service catalog is the section of the portfolio that is visible to your customers and provides an insight into the services and products your business delivers. The service pipeline includes the lists of services that are currently under development or consideration for a specific market or demographic. The pipeline also includes details of the projected growth of the portfolio in the future. The service pipeline can also include goals, priorities, as well as short-term and long-term goals of your business. The last subset of the portfolio is the retired services that include products and services that are soon to be withdrawn or have already phased out. This section of the portfolio overlaps with service transition. Thank you for listening to Portfolio Management Back to Basics podcast by Thinking Portfolio. Please visit us at thinkingportfolio.com.